All right. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to. It's on the screen, guys. First Timothy. First Timothy one. Trying to get y'all used to being in a new book, a new series. We've been in Acts for two years. It's weird going to first Timothy, but it's going to be so good for us. So we're in first Timothy one. And eventually we're going to get through it. Uh, I spoke with Adam yesterday. He said if we keep going three to four verses at a time, we're going to be in First Timothy for the next two or three years. That's okay. Um, and so First Timothy chapter 1, we're going to be looking at how we're dealing with false teachers. Yay! Um, and so First Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. As you're turning there, uh, I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, we have these... Nifty little scripture journals, First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus. We're going through all three of those books, First and Second Timothy and Titus. These are the pastoral epistles, um, and it's really cool. One side has the scripture, the other side has lined pages. If you want to take notes, so if you, I know we do little sermon inserts for you guys to fill in, but if you would rather a scripture journal, and this way you can do it devotionally, you can be writing notes as you're, hopefully, you should be reading the text throughout the week, maybe preparing for next Sunday sermon. Um, these things are great. Uh, we're selling them just to kind of help offset the cost because they're not, they're, they're not that cheap, but we're selling them for $3 a piece. Um, that's just to put money back so we can buy more uh, if we need more. And so if you want one, we've got them. You can come find me or Trey Barbie or Adam Love or Kent Aldridge, Gary McElwain or uh, Vincent Berardelli. We got the box up here and uh, we'll get you one. OK. All right. You guys ready? I'm excited. It's going to be a, hopefully it's going to be a good Sunday or I might be one of the false teachers you're going to have to deal with. So first Timothy one verses three through seven. If you're there, say word. Fantastic. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. This is Paul writing to Timothy and to the church in Ephesus. He says in verse 3, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would ask a blessing upon, that you would add a blessing upon your word, uh, that, that we leave here changed. God, use me as you see fit. We pray that you would do that this morning. In your son's precious name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How do you know for sure that what I am preaching to you is true? How do you know for sure that me standing up here as your pastor is saying and speaking and preaching and proclaiming truth? How do you know for sure? I can easily stand up here and tell you that 
I was licensed as a preacher at Coldwater Baptist Church in Concord, North Carolina. I was ordained into the gospel ministry as a, I was ordained as a youth pastor, but title of pastor at United Love Baptist Church in Midland, North Carolina. I was a graduate of Wingate University with a bachelor's in religious studies, and I am one year from graduating with my MDiv at, at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Christian ministry. I can mention all that to you. And I can put as many letters before or after my name that is in regards to being a pastor or a preacher. I could go on and get my PhD in, or, or my D-men and be a doctor. Because the only reason why I want to do that is just so my wife can call me doctor. Um, but even if I had that, how do you know for sure that what I am preaching to you is true? There are churches across our community across our nation and across this world who are gathering this morning to hear, hopefully, a sermon from the Word of God that is being declared as truth. But the sad state of the church today is that not all of them are preaching and proclaiming truth. In fact, we can point out and name false teachers, and I'm not going to. But well, we could if we wanted to. False teachers, churches who claim to be preaching and teaching this truth, but instead they're preaching what we would call heresy. I'm not talking about just error. We can err on, on, on many things. We can be in error on different things. But when you start, when we start claiming heresy, we're saying you are denying the very truth of God's word. It is a damnable gospel that is appeasing to people's current needs, but not to their souls. So here in today's passage, Timothy is dealing with that very issue. He's dealing with that very issue in his community and even in the church that he is serving at. Now, some of you may remember when we were going through the book of Acts, there was a a section in the book of Acts when Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders and he's given a farewell to them. This is in Acts 20. And in verses 29 through 30, he's telling these Ephesian elders. Now, these are the same elders that Timothy is working with here. Paul tells these elders in Acts 20, verses 29 and 30, he says, I know that after my departure, hear this church, after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So not only do we see these wolves that are stepping into the church from the community, but these are even wolves that are stepping up from among the church itself. Possibly even among the elders of that church, the pastors of that church. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. You've probably heard that saying. We're not talking about real wolves. Here in Stanley County, we don't deal with wolves. We deal with coyotes, right? We're talking about actual people who are being portrayed as a sheep or a shepherd, but yet inwardly are ravenous 
wolves. They are there to devour. They're there to divide. These are the same elders that Timothy's working with. Paul warns them. This is even before he sends Timothy there. Paul warns them there will come a time when these these wolves will rear their ugly heads. And so Paul, as we see in verse 3, is urging Timothy. This is an urgent matter. This is of dire need. You need to, Timothy, to confront and correct these false teachers. I know it. people like to say we are not to judge. You don't mess with God's man. You've, you've probably heard that. But church, we, pastors and preachers and teachers, are going to be held to a higher standard. We're going to be held accountable for how we lead and how we preach God's message. That's why... <laughs> That's why I tremble most times when I step into the pulpit. I am going to be held accountable to God one day by how I handle his word. So church, we are called to preserve this message of the gospel. We are called to preserve this message of unity, this truth of God's word, so much so that we need to be willing to confront and correct false teachers. And as we see in verse 5, the aim is out of love. But in order for us to do that, church, in order for us to know how to confront and correct false teachers, we need to know what truth is. So how do we do that? Here's the main idea I've got for you this morning is this. A church needs a healthy understanding of the gospel to discern truth from error. I'm going to give credit to Adam Love who helped me with that because I don't want to, you know, plagiarize. But he helped me with that main idea yesterday. A church needs a healthy understanding of the gospel to discern truth from error. We do. Which is why we value Preaching the whole counsel of God. We don't want to just preach the highlights in the Bible. We want to tackle the easy passages and the hard passages. And let me tell you, I've had to tackle some hard passages. There have been weeks where it's not that it was difficult to understand. It's difficult to proclaim to you what the truth of God's word says. And we're going to tackle some tough stuff in First Timothy. Boy, am I looking forward to it. I told somebody the other day, I might not have a job next year. Why? I'm preaching First Timothy. <laughs> That's why. But Paul sees the urgent matter here. Why? This is important for the health of a church. If we are not willing to confront and correct false teachers then we're not willing to preserve the unity of our church. We're not willing to preserve the gospel of truth. And we're willing to see people die and go to hell and not truly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in order for us to be a healthy church, we need a healthy understanding of the gospel to be able to discern truth from error. So I've got two points for you. Number one, how do we do that? We need to be devoted to sound teaching. 
We need to be a church that is devoted to sound teaching. Look at verses 3 and 4. Paul says this, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Let's, let's stop there. I love this. Paul uses the word certain persons. Now we know, looking at context, he's talking about the false teachers. But have you ever had that conversation with somebody? You know, we need to have a conversation with those people. You kind of like raise your eyebrows and the other person knows who you're talking about. Timothy probably has a good idea who Paul's talking about when Paul's writing to him. And Paul knows that Timothy's going to read this letter to the church. So I've got a pretty good idea that when, when Timothy's reading this church, reading this to the church, he's saying that I was going to Macedonia to remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons. And he's looking around the room at the church. He's eyeballing a few people. Certain persons, I'm looking at you, buddy, to not teach any different doctrine. Church, we are called to be devoted to sound teaching. Sound teaching. Now, what is Paul meaning by different doctrine? Paul's talking about anything that goes against what Christ has already taught. And he answers that in 1 Timothy 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul tells Timothy later, If anyone teaches a different doctrine, there's that word, different doctrine, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicions. Different doctrine is anything that goes against what Christ has already taught. And that's what the apostles who Paul has claimed to be. We saw that last week. He he claimed his authority. I am an apostle of Christ Jesus I've been chosen by him to proclaim the message that he has taught us. The apostles are called to preach what Christ has taught. But yet here we see these ravenous wolves coming into the church and they're teaching different doctrine. Here's the problem, church. False teaching is like a cancer that will grow and spread and infect the entire body if left unchallenged and unopposed. It is. It will spread. It is infectious. It is dangerous, church. It's deadly. And that's why here we will make it a priority to be devoted to sound teaching of God's Word. If if I hear about anybody in this church teaching anything contrary to what God's word teaches, we're just gonna we're gonna have a conversation. And it's not like I'm a you know meet me in the parking lot kind of thing. We're just gonna have a conversation. Why? Because we confront and we are to correct. We're not to bully. The aim of our charge is love. The aim is that we help even our teachers grow. 
and come to know the truth of God's Word. To be gracious and loving. Church, this false teaching, it does not save people. It damns people. We're not talking about a difference of opinions. We're not talking about a statement of error. We're talking about a straight-up denial of the truth of God's Word. That's what we're talking about. And if we want to know what the truth of God's Word is, we listen to what God's Word says. Too often, and you can probably relate because I've been there too, too often we trust the messenger more than we trust the book that he's preaching from. And what do I mean by that? You're completely just relying on what somebody says and you're not going to learn for yourself. And a lot of times we seek for that one person or two people who line up with us with how we already believe when really we're not going to God's Word. Church, we are called to be devoted to sound teaching. The mission of our church, the mission that we that we have, why do we exist? We exist to know Christ and to make Him known. That's why we exist, church, and we need to get that into our mind. We exist to know Christ and to make Him known. And how do we know Christ? Through the sound teaching of God's Word. We as a church are called to declare the Word of God. Not my opinion. I can stand up here every single Sunday and give you my hobby horses. I can stand up here and give you my opinions because of something I watched on TV this week. But as you know, for the past five years, our value is to go verse by verse through books of the Bible because we want to tackle every single thing that this book teaches us. Every verse, every chapter, every book, every word is relevant for the church today. And every word in this book bleeds the name of Jesus. So we are to be devoted to that sound teaching. We see here in verse 4 that these false teachers are not devoted to sound, to sound teachings. Instead, Paul tells them, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. They are devoted to these myths and endless genealogies. Now let me just go ahead and be clear. We're not 100% sure what Paul is referring to here. He could be referring to some of these Jewish myths from the Old Testament. We can read about them in the Maccabees and a lot of the apocryphal books. We can read about them in the second book of Daniel where Daniel slays a dragon. <laughs> myths. But we who don't really know what they're talking about can stand on the fact that they're not devoted to sound teaching. They're instead devoted to these crazy stories. Now you're probably sitting here thinking like, well, we don't get devoted to stuff like that. Ah, let's back up for a second. Y'all remember about 20 years ago, Da Vinci Code coming out? Yeah. We, people getting devoted to these hidden meanings within the Bible. 
People trying to pull out mathematical equations so that they can figure out when Christ is returning. Guys, when the book was written, there were no verses and chapters. You cannot do a mathematical equation to figure out when Christ is returning. There are other myths and endless genealogies that even so-called Christians today believe in, such as the Book of Mormon. I can call that out because that is not a Christian religion. That is a cult. Mormonism is not true, church. We need to be devoted to sound teaching, and that sound teaching is anything that Christ has taught in His Word, anything from page 1 to the last page of this Bible. That's where our devotion is. And I can assure you, as your pastor... This is all we're going to preach from. We're not going to preach from movie clips. We're not going to preach from other novels or books or anything like that. We're going to preach from God's Word and God's Word alone. Because we are called to be devoted to it. We are called to be devoted to sound teaching. Now, check out again verse 4. These false teachers... Timothy is to confront them to not devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations. That's what this does. This false teaching promotes this kind of discussion, this kind of speculation of things that are not true. You, It's a waste of time. These guys who, who throughout history who have come out and said, I have, I have figured out when Christ is coming back. And then that day comes and they're like, oh, I was wrong. It's, it's really five years from now. And then that day, I was wrong again. It was this date. Uh, you know what? I'm just, I, I'm going crazy. I mean, it's just speculation after speculation. People waste so much time with these myths, these false teachings that have nothing to do with the truth of God's word. And what does Paul say? That it, pr- it promotes speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. What does he mean by stewardship from God? Stewardship from God. The Greek word can also mean administration, plan. What is the plan God has? The plan of salvation. It promotes speculation rather than gospel transformation. You waste your time trying to figure this stuff out. You waste your time on endless junk that has nothing to do with the truth of God's word. You are distracted from the mission of the church to go and make disciples of all nations. To love God and love your neighbor. To know Christ and to make him known. You're wasting your time. Focus on the sound teaching that promotes the stewardship. And two, I want to look at stewardship as well. We see when we, when we look at stewardship, Paul also talks about stewardship in Colossians 1. Paul says in Colossians 1.25, he says this, he says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Church, 
I have been called as a pastor according to the stewardship of God. We are called church to be good stewards of his word and his ministry. And I am going to be held accountable for it. Who am I held accountable to? To God. For who? Any person on our church membership list. Sorry, visitors, I'm not held accountable to you yet. You got to join. And then you're my problem. I'm just kidding. But church, I am held accountable to that church membership list that we got. Can, can we talk real quick about our church membership list? We've got around 350 people on our church membership list. I know where 125 to 150 of them are. 200 of them I don't. I'm held accountable for those 200 names that we don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know how their lives are. We don't know about their holiness. We don't know about their pursuit of Christ. We don't know about their salvation. We don't know where they are. We need to fix that. We need to fix that. Church, we are called to be good stewards of God's Word to each other, from me to you as we teach, as we prepare, as we disciple, all those. Not only are we called to be devoted to sound teaching, but two, number two, we are to be rooted in godly service. Rooted in godly service. Look at verse 5. And this, this verse, verse 5, is actually a good verse for the entire book of 1 Timothy. Paul says this, the aim of our charge, the charge to not teach any different doctrine, the charge to be devoted to sound teaching, the aim of our charge is what? Love. Love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, again, certain persons, Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Let's, let's break this down. We are called to be rooted in godly service. How do we get rooted in godly service? Because of the sound teaching we've been taught. Paul tells us in verse 5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. I would circle love, pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. The aim of our charge is love. So what Paul is telling Timothy, first off, our entire message is about the love of God, about the love of Christ, about what he's done for the world, about what he's done for people to come and die to pay the penalty so that we may be saved. The aim of our charge is love so that people will come to know who Jesus is. So that they won't die and go to hell. So that they'll know what true joy is in a world of suffering. So that they may be truly satisfied. The aim of our charge is love. Church, we preach hard messages because we love you. We teach and preach the truth of God's word because we love you. This is going to be like surgery. I told you this last week. 
It's going to hurt, but the end result is going to be better. Anybody here ever had their gallbladder removed like me? Ever had a gallbladder attack? You get that gallbladder out and you feel so much better. Probably can't eat certain things now, but you feel so much better. No more pain. Church, when we preach and teach God's word, it's like surgery. We're trying to cut into your heart to remove the necessary things of this world, of your life. So that you may know the truth of God's word. Devoted to sound teaching that leads to godly service. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere Faith. He's talking about a pure heart, which is one that has been washed by the Holy Spirit. How is it that our heart gets washed by the Holy Spirit when God, through the preaching of His Word, has come in and has grabbed your heart, convicted of your sin, to where you may now come to know Him? We have a pure heart when God comes in and washes it with the Holy Spirit. We have a good conscience, which is one that walks in the deeds of the spirit. One that is rooted in godly service. One that wants to pursue Christ out of love. We don't want to pursue these speculations. We don't want to waste our time with stupid things. We want to pursue Christ. And we want to know him and make him known. We want to have a good conscience and we want to have a sincere faith One that relies on Jesus alone for salvation. Church, we stand on the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. We are justified only and alone by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to God's word alone, to the glory of God alone. Church, we are called to have that sincere faith. And this is what This love comes from. The aim of our charge is love that comes from, that is issued from a person who has come to know the truth of God's word. Paul is urging Timothy to correct the false teachers out of love that they may come to know the truth. Yes, confront them. But tell them the truth of the gospel and pray that they repent and turn to him. Church, our aim is out of a charge of love. So that you may know the truth of the gospel. So that you may hear sound teaching that will transform your life. It's not because of me. It's not because of any person in this room. It's solely because of God working through the preaching of his word that you are transformed and then changed to be rooted in godly service. Church, our mission is to know Christ and to make him known. How do we do that? I've come up with four statements, four D's. If you, I, They're not on the screen. If you want to write them down, that's fine. We are one to declare the word. We are to disciple the believer. We are to display the gospel. And we are to deploy the church. Declare the word. Disciple the believer. Display the gospel. Deploy the church.
We declare the word through the sound teaching. We disciple the believer through the sound teaching. And through that sound teaching, we are rooted in godly service as we display the gospel to our community and to our neighbors, to the people we work with, and even to each other as we're in community together. We are, we are here to mourn when you mourn, to rejoice when you rejoice. We are here to care for you when you're sick and when you're hurting. We are here to love on you when you're broken. We're here to walk with you in your sin because we love you. We are called to be rooted in godly service, not only as we display the gospel, but as as we are deployed into the world, whether we are on mission in our community, on mission in another state or on mission in another country. We got two church members right now who are on mission in, in Honduras that we need to be need to be praying for Jennifer and Cliff Swink as they display the gospel there. So church, we are called to know Christ and to make him known. And we do this by declaring the word, discipling the believer, displaying the gospel and deploying the church. And this is where we confront and deal with false teachers. We need to be a church that is devoted to sound teaching. Because if you get sound teaching, if you hear it from the pulpit, if you hear it in your Sunday school class or in your small group, if you hear it on Wednesday nights, this is why we're talking about our confession on Wednesday nights. We're walking through the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 on Wednesday nights because we want you to know what we should believe. If we're devoted to those things, you are able to, to discern false teaching. You're able to turn on the TV and when you get to, ju- when you get to that dude's preaching, show most smosting, and you know that what he's saying is not true, you know that because you've received sound teaching. But church, this sound teaching is not to be held in. It's to result in godly service. This sound teaching is one that does not promote speculation. It does not promote dissension or division, worthless conversations, worthless rivalries. We're going to talk more about that in 1 Timothy. No, this sound teaching results in a godly Service as we live on mission within our community, within our families, within our jobs, within our schools, teenagers, wherever we are. So church, we need a healthy understanding of the gospel to discern truth from error. I've shared this illustration so many times. A woman walks up to Charles Spurgeon and tells him, she's like, you preach the gospel way too much. She's like, why do you, why do you do that? He's like, well, because you forget it every week. It's true. We forget it every week. We need to be devoted to that sound teaching so that we may have a healthy understanding of the gospel so that we may be able to discern truth from error. Church, what is it that we should do with those false teachers? We should confront them. 
but we should correct them too. Out of love. With a hope and a prayer that they will repent and turn to Christ. Church, I know you probably have family members or friends who probably listen or watch who you would say are false teachers. I'm not saying go on a rampage and start texting everybody and point people out. If you're going to be making a stand against false teachers, you need to be able to stand against it with the truth of Scripture and God's Word. And you need to be able to stand against it with patience, love, and grace. That's how we handle it. But it is something that we are to stand against. We've heard it from several people. Let them do them. Let them preach. Let them teach. You know, that's God's man. You don't mess with God's man. Church, we're called to hold people accountable. You are called to hold me accountable. How do you know that what I'm teaching is true? You need to know healthy understanding of the gospel to hold me and whoever comes after me accountable. All right? All right. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. God, you've given us your word. You've given us an opportunity to have sound teaching at our fingertips, sound gospel at our fingertips. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we seek to be a healthy church with a healthy understanding of the gospel. Help us to be devoted to that sound teaching. Help us to be devoted to what your word says. But God, help us as your word transforms our lives so that we may be rooted in godly service. Help us as we see the result and the effect of true teaching so that we may be able to discern the effects of false teaching. God, you are good to us. We don't deserve you. We don't deserve this word. We don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve the very air we breathe. But God, you are better to us today than we deserve. So help us rest in that. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.